0: credit on the final exam of interesting questions if you can answer this next one without hesitation. What does nutrition and the performance of esports athletes have in common? I'll give you some time to ponder your answer. Are you coming up short, and would you like a lifeline to phone a friend or ask the audience? Well, if you answered yes, then Casey Thomas is someone you ought to put on speed dial. Thomas is an instructor at UCLA Extensions, and he can't shut up about nutrition. Has some interesting research as it relates to esports athletes nutrition in their performance, and he's willing to dispense the knowledge he's learned to help anyone achieve better body composition and an overall better quality of life. He joined me this week to talk nutrition, esports, and so much more. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. I'm thrilled that you uh, agreed to do it with me today, but if you're ready, Casey, I'll welcome you to this show, and I'm excited to talk to you all about nutrition. Great to be with you this afternoon, and thanks for letting me virtually travel down to LA. It's most appreciated, and it's great to see you uh, this afternoon.
1: No, I'm super happy to be here. Thanks Thanks for having me. I'm excited for our conversation.
0: Casey, just before we dive into uh, uh, your expertise in uh, our conversation this afternoon, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, March is International Women's History Month, so I'm curious to kick our conversation off by asking you uh, about the impact that women have had on your life as well.
1: Well, I I do owe a lot to the women in my life. I I was actually just recently married this last year. and Congratulations. uh, Thank you. She's my better half. <laughs> um, and I will say that, uh, you know, my, my mom and my sister, I owe, I owe a lot to them, too, the support over the years. And, um, you know, I think as far as nutrition is concerned, there's a lot of females in the field and they're the ones who are really advancing everything. And this is despite them being kind of an understudied population as far as athletics and nutrition goes. So um, there's a lot to be had there. And, you know, um, a lot of appreciation for the women in my own life.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, I I always tell people without women, none of us would be here, right? (laughs) That's the truth. That's important. But I'm interested to know all about your educational journey, Uh, Casey. I know that you spent five years conducting some clinical research, and then you decided to return back to school to become a registered dietitian. So I'm wondering if you could expand on your educational journey for me.
1: Sure. Yeah. And I'll say that my educational journey was definitely a little bit unconventional for someone in the nutrition field. Uh, When I was in my undergrad years, I actually planned on being a doctor. I was pre-med. Um, I, I started shadowing some doctors around, and I hated it. <laughs> I said, "This is not for me." Um, so what I ended up doing was I went to go work in research, and you know, I, I was kind of naive a little bit. I, I was saying I wanted to be on the the forefront of scientific discovery, you know. Um, <clears throat> and during this time, this is when I got my first exposure to high level athletes, and so my my areas of research were specifically in the supplement and pharmaceutical world. And I had a lot of, I I was doing this nutrition thing as a hobby on the side, but I had some high level athletes approach me. Um, They were kind of looking for the next big thing that wasn't going to pop them on a drug test. So, you know, some new supplements or new pharmaceutical compounds. And uh, I, I really loved working with this population and I realized I couldn't have the job I wanted doing what I was doing. And so I decided to go back to school to become a registered dietitian. Uh, from from there, you know, as part of my uh, education, I completed a thesis project, which eventually got published. Uh, we looked at energy drinks and their use on different performance metrics in a team of professional esports athletes, which was super fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. And you know, as far as the educational journey, I feel like I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner, but I definitely keep my foot in the academic world. Um, you know, I still do peer review for journals and I'm an instructor uh, with UCLA extension. So that's kind of, that uh, keeps my brain sharp. I, I love I love reading, I love learning, and I love educating.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, Cassidy, about your um. Uh, your, um... Thoughts on the correlation between nutrition and esports and why they're connected?
1: Absolutely. So, esports and nutrition is something that not a lot of people tend to think is related. Um,
0: That's why I asked the question. <laughs>
1: right. Um, it's it's really interesting, and so athletes with traditional athletes, the connection between nutrition and uh, performance is, is very well documented and there's a lot of belief there. Um, you know, Thousands of years, athletes have been using specialized nutrition practices to enhance their performance. Um, in eSports, um, a lot of nutritionists and a lot of the eSport athletes themselves, they don't really see that connection. And they tend to believe that falsely that there is something different between the mind and the body. And really, the brain is an organ in the body. It's it's part of the body, and if you have a healthy brain, you can enhance performance. But you know, I, I can prove this to you with with uh, more specific examples. Um, there are a lot of sports that rely more on the cognitive side that you would maybe consider as a traditional sport. So, for example, baseball. Baseball is not really physically demanding at all, and the athletes who have the most success are the ones who Uh, have faster uh, reaction speed and hand-eye coordination and those kind of things. Um, We also have shot callers in in different team sports. You know, they have to make these, they have to strategize. They have to make these like complicated decisions in snap, snap, you know, like moments, they, they don't have much time at all to be thinking, and they have to strategize and direct the team. Um, you also have sports like NASCAR, right, where that doesn't require any physical skills at all. You're you're driving a car, um, but you know you can imagine the brain power that goes behind someone who, who's is in one of those vehicles, um, and all of these different sports, and there are more examples. They use nutrition to enhance their performance. And esports is just taking it a little bit further down that line. Um, you know, probably most people might liken it to a game like chess. Um, and most people think that chess is, is uh, not very demanding. But what you see is actually grandmasters and, and people who are competing in these high level tournaments, they'll, they'll actually be burning as much as 6,000 calories a day during tournaments. Um, so this this cognitive demand, uh, it, it tells you that there is, your brain is doing stuff, it's very important. And it has fuel sources that it likes, it has fuel sources it doesn't like, it has unique nutrient requirements, and you can use nutrition to enhance the brain.
0: Yeah, Cassie, and I'm I'm curious, with your role as an instructor, How has uh, teaching nutrition sort of evolved? I guess what I'm asking is how is is the best way you get your uh, students excited about studying nutrition and all that involves with that? (laughs) Um,
1: I'll say, at least for me, I I would have initially answered that nutrition is inherently interesting and everybody loves it, but that's not true. I think that what makes interesting nutrition interesting is that it is so accessible and impactful on people's life and what i mean by accessible is you know if you, if you have a hobby you know let's say you want to race cars or let's say you want to sail a yacht or you know let's say you want to go lift some weights or something like this like all this costs you know, hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. Um, but if you hear about a new diet uh, or a new supplement or something, you can go down to the grocery store, spend a few bucks and you can try it out yourself. Um, and, and I really encourage my students to try everything that they're, if they're making a recommendation for something, they should have done it. And I, I'm the same way. I've tried every single fad diet, every single uh, fad supplement that you can think of uh, much to uh, my own dismay sometimes because I know it might be bad. but um, I think making it more hands-on is helpful. And when you can also show them how it will help. Um, So depending on the student population, uh, sometimes I have people who are a little bit older and they care more about their health. And sometimes I have people who are a little bit younger and they think they're invincible. So they don't really care as much about me telling them it's gonna help them live a few years longer, but they might care if I tell them, hey, you know, you're, you know, you're going to build muscles or you're going to lose fat or your performance is going to be enhanced, those kind of things. So if you can show them how it will actually help and you can get them involved and in engaging in a hands-on manner, um, I believe that that is the best way to get them engaged.
0: <laughs> I'm curious to you know why nutrition is so important to you and uh, why you wanted to become an instru- instructor to teach this stuff.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it relates back a little bit to what I was saying about it being so accessible and um, so impactful. Um, I already, already mentioned why I thought it was very accessible, but um, it, nutrition is to me, one of the most impactful things you can do in your life. Um, every single cell in your body was made by some food that you ingested. Okay. So you, you literally <laughs> are what you eat and as far as it's concerned, you know, I think it's like the closest thing to a real life cheat code that I, that I can think of. Um, you don't have to train for an extra four hours a day. You don't have to study all night. You don't ha- have to do any of this stuff. All you have to do is just put the right stuff into your mouth and literally every single other aspect of your life is improved. Your health is improved. Your mood is improved. Your performance is improved. Your body composition is improved. Um, it's, like, it's like the top of the funnel, okay? You, know, you improve this one thing and it makes everything else better. It's kind of like your you know, if your computer's running slow and you suddenly go from a slow internet speed to a high internet speed, it makes everything better. And so nutrition is very similar. Um, it, it's just uh, something that impacts every aspect of your life. And on on maybe a personal note with nutrition, um, it's very personally satisfying to me. It's one of the best feelings I get is when I can actually help someone hit their goals. And and more specifically to me, um, just coming from the research background that I do, if I read some bit of scientific literature and I can extrapolate some actionable bits of uh, information from it, and then I can communicate that in a way that someone else can understand. And then it's a way that they can apply it and use it to their life. And then they can get results off of that. Uh, I, I feel like I'm an alchemist or like, you know, I have a philosopher's stone. I've, I've turned some, some boring bit of academia and I've converted it into something real, you know, something that someone else wanted to achieve in their life. And, and I, I think that just feels amazing. And uh, I, I chase that feeling. So that's, that's probably the, the big reason.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, anytime you can make something visual or tangible tangible that people can touch, it's always uh, more uh, easier to get them to absorb, right? Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> and I know that your uh, research, Casey, has allowed you to implement protocols that have uh, Uh, facilitated significant improvement in things like a body composition, health, and a performance. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about that good work and how satisfied you are about those accomplishments as well.
1: Sure. So I'll say that most of the people in the nutrition industry who are practitioners um, they tend to come from like a sports background or a fitness background. Uh, it's, it's pretty rare for the practitioners themselves to have a hard science background um, like me. Uh, the, the people who do have hard science backgrounds, they tend to not go be practitioners. They tend to go on and get their PhDs and actually truly work in the academic field and you know head up all these labs and do all sorts of amazing things that I'm maybe not smart enough to be doing. Um, <laughs> but I'll say that I think The most important thing that I've taken from that is probably the scientific process. And what all you know most of the most practitioners who don't have this, you know, science background, they they tend to get their knowledge from trial and error. And it takes a really long time with trial and error to just see a pattern and fine-tune your craft. And I I don't want to downplay practitioners by any means because honestly, they are the root of all research and they're normally ahead of the curve. Um, you know, there's, there's the famous story where there was a, a big conference where the top scientists in the world were, were meeting the top physicists in the world in the early 1900s. And they were meeting to discuss the feasibility of an airplane. And the conclusion of that conference was that no man would ever fly because the physics of it just didn't work. And this was a couple years after the Wright brothers had already developed a plane. Um, they were out there doing it, and the scientists were too busy arguing about it. <laughs> um, so, so the practitioners on the front line, you know, they observe things, and that's that's what the researchers do. They take those observations and then they test them. And so, for me, I take this approach very seriously. I, I measure everything. I, I believe if you aren't measuring, you're guessing. And everybody is different. Um, people like to think that just because it worked for one person, you know, it's going to work for someone else and everybody has their own unique history their own unique genetics their own lifestyle their own physiology their own metabolism you know you can't just assume because it worked for some person that it's not going to work for someone else and so the scientific process what i mean by that is i employ all sorts of pre and post assessments i'm measuring things i'm asking them how they felt um you know really trying to find out what actually produces a measurable improvement and if you can employ that you can figure out what works so much faster than just kind of blind trial and error. And um, that is one of the big reasons, um, or one of the big uh, takeaways from the research that I've taken is just the simple process. Um, But the other side of that is is simply the knowledge itself. And I don't want to Go into all those areas unless you're curious about any of it. But um, I think it is important to stay abreast of the current knowledge and also have connections with other practitioners because then you're leveraging other people's experiences. Um, you can collectively move forward much faster when you have this, this big uh, community of people who are all working towards the same goals. You're able to learn best practices and and so on. Um, and, and the last point that I'll say about this is just that Having a good foundation in in these sciences, though, um, it helps you call BS on diet trends. Because once you understand the underlying physiology and what's going on there, um, and someone makes a claim to you that so-and-so diet or so-and-so supplement is going to work because of X, um, you can immediately call BS on that if if you actually understand the processes in the body. And so I think that's really helpful. So I guess more specifically to answer your question, um, I believe that it is very satisfying to help people hit their goals. And I am proud of the work that I have done, but I'll say that there is always more and always room for improvement on myself. Um, I am constantly testing myself. And if I don't cringe at what I was doing a few years ago, then it means I haven't grown enough. Um, So I think there's always more to be done and always room for improvement.
0: Absolutely. And I'm also uh, curious to ask you about the value of human connection and the work that you do I know that you consult with athletes and, and businesses uh, to help them increase their performance edge and, and getting that done so on curious to ask you in in the lens of human connection uh, the impact and how important it is for you to connect with people in the work that you do
1: I think um... This is an area that I have struggled with. Um, I used to just think that you know I could test it on myself or that I could read some literature and that would be, that'd be it, you'd be fine. Um, But the human connection is honestly the most important part. And I've learned this over the years and you need to be able to develop an understanding of each person and you need to communicate with them and you need to work with everybody. there, there's interesting data <laughs> going back to the research side, um, which shows that the number one thing that predicts whether or not you're going to have a successful intervention with a client or a patient or whoever um, is simply the trust that you have between each other and the rapport that you develop. And this trumps everything. You could put someone on the best diet plan in the world, the best exercise regimen in the world. And if they don't want to follow through with it, if they don't trust you, then it doesn't matter, right? It could be the best one in the world, and it really doesn't matter. And so you need to first establish that trust. You need to first have that human connection. Um, It trumps everything else. And so I like to really spend a lot of time getting to know who I'm working with. And this could happen hours and days and weeks before I even bring up something nutrition related. I think it's very important to have those connections and to use them um, if you are ever going to get them to believe, you know, anything.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And I know that your current research is focused on the correlation between esports and uh, nutrition. And I know we talked earlier about its correlation, but I'm curious if there are any uh, specific specific areas of your research that you're really fired up about as it relates to esports and uh, nutrition.
1: Yeah, I think, well, I'm excited about all of it uh, because
0: (laughs) I figured you you would say that, but Uh,
1: yeah, so, so I think a lot of times people don't even realize that there can be a brain performance increase through different nutrition practices. Um, The brain has unique fuel requirements outside of simply what muscle tissue does. So when you're looking at someone like a track athlete, and you're comparing it to someone like an esports athlete, the fuel requirements themselves are very different. So so right there, that tells you what your day-to-day food intake should look like, you know. Um, And then in addition to that, there are different things that will deplete that you want to make sure that you are repleting after hard training sessions. Um, There are interesting supplement protocols that are more applicable to brain health than are to say muscular health. Um, There are, there's just so much (laughs) uh, that's kind of untapped and it really gets me excited because, um, well, I first got excited about this working with high level athletes because, it's essentially unregulated right now. Um, The obvious stuff is banned in sports. The obvious physiological stuff, like steroids are obviously banned, right? Everybody knows about it. They know that they make your muscles bigger. So they banned them, it's unfair. But there's very little research into different cognitive supplements and different nutrition tricks that can boost your brain. And so you essentially get a free pass to try out whatever you want. And you can see improvement in these traditional sports by enhancing brain function. And a lot of people don't seem to understand that. But, you know, even when you have to contract a muscle, it's not just the muscle doing that in isolation, you know, the brain had to send a signal down all the way to, you know, your leg in order to make that contraction happen. And so if you improve your brain, you can improve the muscle as well. Um, But so as far as esports is concerned, um, there are, there are things that I'm interested about, and the ones that the, the athletes themselves are interested about, and From my personal experience, what I'm seeing is that most of the athletes themselves are interested about supplements, and largely this has to do with the fact that so many nutrition professionals don't care about esports, that they've kind of left a big gap there, and the supplement companies have swooped in trying to make a quick buck, Um, and so they're the ones who are putting out the nutrition information for this community, and... Rightfully so, the esports athletes are curious about this. They want to know, hey, is the supplement actually good for me or isn't it? And so I think that that is probably what's most interesting to me of late is figuring out different, they call them nootropics, different compounds that can boost brain performance, um, different supplement protocols and things like that. And that's that's probably what's got my interest most recently for esports athletes.
0: I guess you, you sparked uh, my interest to ask this question, so uh, thanks for making this uh... Interesting and intriguing conversation, but I'm wondering if for your perspective, um, when you're when you're talking to the, these athletes, do you think you're gaining yourself uh, an advantage, or you're provide, providing them information that they uh, may not have considered before? Uh, I guess what I'm asking is Are you excited about taking advantage of this gap in the market and educating people on how nutrition and esports are uh, related?
1: Um, I wouldn't say I'm trying to take advantage. Um, I definitely come from. I mean, I'm, I'm a gamer myself, um, although I'm not very good, <laughs> um, and so it's a little bit like returning home for me to to come back to this community. But I, I do think that there is a gap there, and I have been, you know, I mean, I've been doing a lot of free. I do free talks to a lot of clubs and organizations and universities and professional teams in the esports world. Um, you know, just because I, I I I love these guys and I want them to gain get some credible information, just because the in my opinion, a lot of the information that's out there is misinformation and um, is is most people trying to take advantage of this population. Um, so my hope and my big drive and desire for a lot of what I've been doing has been to um, just Have a little bit of truth um, in there and try to spread some some sound nutrition practices based off of actual scientific principles, rather than just uh, some nutrition guru guy trying to make a quick buck off of a a supplement.
0: Well, Um, uh, as a journalist, (laughs) Casey, I appreciate the value of research, so we share that same synergy for sure. And uh,
1: yeah, and I'll I'll say one quick thing too is just I um, uh, I've been offered a lot of times to push particular supplements from supplement companies they've they've approached me and i've turned them all down so i don't i uh, have no financial conflict of interest here like i i, I do truly try to do this uh, you know just because i love these people
0: <laughs> well uh, thanks for that clarification and it's always a nice to do something from the goodness of your heart isn't it So that's always important. And I I also, uh, Casey, as you know, uh, I do a lot of work with people with disabilities. And I have uh, spastic quadruple uh, cerebral palsy myself. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on the importance of nutrition for people with disabilities and how how they can use uh, nutrition to live a healthier lifestyle.
1: Right. And so this is an area that is very, very, very understudied. Um, it, it, until recently, you know, it was almost taboo. Um, there's, you know, still, still stigmas arise around, um, you know, people with, with disabilities. And it's unfortunate. Um, it's understudied. And there aren't that many good research studies looking at this population. And it's, it's very unfortunate. Um, And this is despite there being a huge growth in things like the Paralympics and and other sports for athletes with impairments. Um, So there's not a whole lot of good quality data. Um, But what I will say is that I think a lot of people in the nutrition world are scared to work with people with uh, disabilities. Um, My professional opinion is that honestly, it's mostly the same. The principles are going to hold true nine times out of ten for both nutrition and training but the specifics are will definitely need to be tweaked based off of the particular condition there's so many different kinds of impairments that can afflict a human and each one has a unique impact on the physiology Um, and what you'll see is that people who Share the the same impairment may have a different response as well. So you can't even give a blanket recommendation to a particular um, impairment. You have to individualize it even within that. Um, and I think that is really critical for success. Um, I haven't worked with too many, so so there are definitely probably people better than me who who can answer this question. Um, but just a few takeaways from from my personal experiences is that. The challenges can be immense for the, the, this population. Um, however, at the same time, at least as far as the athletes are going concerned, um, commitment to their nutrition, to their training, if appropriate, is, is important. You can't have shortcuts be tolerated just because um, they have an impairment. They, you know, they, they should be still held to a very high standard. Um, I think it's important to loop in the family and the caregivers. Um, I believe that more often than not, at least as far as nutrition is concerned, that people with disabilities tend to defer their nutrition to their family or their care- caregivers, and that they aren't as in control of their nutrition as they probably should be if they're trying to be a high level athlete. Um, but as far as you know, basic sound fundamentals go, you know, eating mostly whole foods. So by that, I mean you know, if, if it didn't run, swim, fly, or grow out of the ground, it's probably not a whole food. <laughs> if you can't identify the ingredients, then you know on the label, it's probably that not might a whole be food. a
0: problem, right?
1: <laughs> right. Um, another big one, which which is really interesting, is, uh, and I think particularly relevant to this population, is that you should be consuming the amount of calories to match your needs. And so, if you are gaining weight or losing weight unintentionally, then something is going wrong. So you should be regularly measuring your weight and seeing what's happening because if your weight is suddenly spiking up and you want it to maintain, that's a problem, right? And similarly, if it's going down and you didn't want that to happen, that's a problem. And you have to change something. So keeping a close eye on how your weight is responding to whatever you're doing is important. Um, Some some other basics would be eating protein with each meal. Uh, Half your plate should be vegetables. (laughs) Uh, Most people hate their vegetables. Um, try to work in more raw foods. A lot of people tend to only cook their foods, uh, try to eat the rainbow. I like to say that I'm not talking about Skittles, (laughs) um, each color of food. So like red, green, you know, blue, those different things, they're each associated with a unique micronutrient profile. And so if you want to make sure you're getting the whole suite of all the micronutrients, I like to tell people they should eat the rainbow every day. Um, so I think that's a good recommendation. And then, in general, just in modern times, uh, you should try to minimize liquid calories, just because usually they're trash and they provide no satiety whatsoever. Um, obviously, there are, you know, in this population, sometimes you need a smoothie or you need something like that if you have any kind of uh, issues with with swallowing or chewing. Um, so it's going to be on a case by case basis, but the classic liquid calories should try to be avoided. Um, and then. One other quick thing, which which I'll just say about this population too, is um, as far as athletes are concerned, um, the goal of sports nutrition is typically to maximize the adaptive capacity of training sessions, as well as to maximize your recovery from those training sessions, and can also be used to acutely improve performance during uh, whatever session you might care about. And so typically, you know, you should really be prioritizing the nutrition that are taking place around these sessions. And people with disabilities um, should probably still engaging in regular physical activity, uh, you know, per tolerance and as appropriate. But where it's really important is to make sure that they fully recover from whatever it is that they are doing. So typically the sessions will be more taxing on their nervous system or more taxing on their muscles or, you know, whatever it is. And you need to make sure that they fully hundred percent recover before they move on to their next training session, because otherwise it's going to spin out of control and it's going to halt any kind of progress that you're, you're doing. Um, and again, that's, a uh, um, my my opinion and my thoughts on it. Um, I have, I don't have, I'm not a master in this space by any means.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. No, that was a, a in-depth uh, opinion and uh, analysis. So I appreciate that. I've got a couple more for you and the last two that I have for you, I want to have a little bit of fun. I know that you have a background in athletics and I know that uh, you have a passion for sports. So I'm just curious to know, uh, if you can highlight sort of your athletic career and uh, maybe if it had a correlation to you wanting to get into nutrition as well.
1: So I'll just come right and say, uh, I'm not very good, right? So I, I never played at the collegiate level. Um, even uh, I, I played around with some buddies who who did play on some teams, but they they would smoke me all the time at whatever it was. Um, I I am not very good. <laughs> um, I did play in K to twelve. You know, I, I I dabbled in a lot of different sports. I played uh, soccer. I played tennis. I played football and baseball. Uh, grew up surfing a little bit. Um, played badminton. I was on the badminton team for for a year. Um, so, you know, I've played a lot of different sports and being active has always been important to me. Um, my, my favorite active, uh, activities are probably hiking and climbing. Um, I I really do love to climb a whole lot. Um, it's very soothing to me and it's something I really enjoy. Uh, I just got back from Joshua tree actually, which is a a great bouldering place. Um, I'm also a, a little bit of a weekend wor- warrior, you know, I'll do things like the Murph workout on Memorial day and stuff like that. But, um, honestly, I'm not, I'm not a pro athlete or even close to it by any means. Um, but I do think it's important to be active. Um, and I think it's important to also relate to the people that you're working with. So, um, it's very hard to understand, you know, what a baseball player needs, if you haven't actually done that, you know, um, and I, I, I kind of hold that same policy with all the nutrition that I do, which I mentioned is just, you know, um, I try everything out myself. So it, it just gives you more clout with the people that you're working with. If you can say that you've actually done it and you can say, OK, I've actually done it and here's the research. Here you go. Um, so, you know, I don't have too much of a athletic journey other than just uh, my own, you know, enjoying activities myself.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you know, I uh personal lived experience is the best experience, especially if you're trying to get other people to uh, buy what you're selling, so to speak, right? Sure, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, I guess I I know you mentioned you like to be outdoors and sort of an endurance guy. So my uh, final question before I ask how people can contact you is when you're not working, how do you uh, connect Uh, With yourself outside of work, and what do you like to do for fun, Bon? (laughs) Uh,
1: So yeah, I did mention I I like to Boulder. Um, We have a dog who keeps me sane. Uh, You know, there's nothing like living in the moment when then staring at a dog and going on a walk with them. I think. Um, so me and my wife, you know, we, we have set aside a a time period where we walk the dog and no phones are allowed. And so it's just, uh, you got to be in the moment and enjoy it. Um, I also do, you know, I meditate in the morning for a little bit just to help me get uh, started for the day, which is, which is fun, fun for me, um, I do like being active, but as you can see, I can't be outside too much. I have very pasty skin. Uh, you know, I burn walking across the street, the street. <laughs> um, so that part has got to be well-managed. Um, but you know, as far as free time goes, I spend a lot of my free time reading. Um, I, I, read, I, I game on occasion. I hang out with my dog. I do, uh, I like to climb on the weekend sometimes. And, uh, yeah you know that's that's kind of what I do
0: <laughs> absolutely there's a lot of stuff uh, to keep you busy out there in LA Casey if anybody wants to get in contact with your buddy what's the best way they can do that
1: uh, probably by email uh, which is a little bit old school and a little bit of a sin in my industry because I actually don't have social media <laughs> um, but my that's my email actually is... a,
0: a blessing isn't it <laughs>
1: I think so. Um, I've never had it. Uh, and I'll just quick little funny story. When I was in high school, my my friends made, made a MySpace for me and they managed it. And then they also made a Facebook for me and they managed it and they would like take photos of me and upload it and I never knew what was going on. Um, so that was interesting. But uh, <laughs> so Power as far- of-
0: uh, interesting marketing, huh?
1: Yeah, it's made it challenging for me. Um, all of my business has been 100% word of mouth and referrals because um, I, I got I, to I just
0: you into the 21st century Casey, but then...
1: I know I need I need to, I really do need some help there so if you have some tips or you know anybody like I, I actually am trying to get in a little bit more involved there um, but but right now it's it's just an email which is Casey Thomas RD at gmail.com and uh, I, I respond to pretty much everybody who, who emails me um, but that's that's pretty much it <laughs>
0: Fantastic. I really want to uh, thank you for a revealing and and consequential conversation about the importance of nutrition and and how it relates to eSports. Really great to spend some time with you. And I want to thank you for being here this afternoon. It's most appreciated.
1: No, it was super fun to be here. Thank you so much uh, for having me. And uh, if you ever want to talk again, I'm I'm around.
0: (laughs) I'm going to hold you to that. So uh, don't, uh, Don't be so quick to offer. No, I'm kidding. But I want to thank you for your time and have a great day, bud.
1: Will do. Thank you so much, Kevin.